Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We have been in a new series called A New Day. And, um, and all we've really done is we've identified that things are different today. Over this last three, four months, how many of you would just agree that things have changed drastically? It's a new world. It's a new time that we live in. And so in week one, we talked about how God's wanting to do something new in your spirit. You know, a new day calls for, for, for new implementation. And so I believe that God's wanting to do something new in your spirit. And then last week we talked about the soul. What is it that God's wanting to do in your soulish realm, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions? You know, people are asking the question, when are we going to get back to normal? When are things going to return to normal? But I'm just telling you this, that things may never return back to normal, and that might not be a bad thing. Like maybe God is wanting to to do some new things that are better things. Come on, he takes us from glory to glory to glory to glory. This week, we're going to be talking about the new thing that God wants to do in your body, physically. Our key scripture has been 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Can I say this, that Paul gives his dissertation on the end times, the end of days, the end times in 1 Thessalonians 4 and, and chapter 4 and chapter 5. There's a lot of people, even unbelievers, people that don't even believe in God, you know, they think that that's for weak-minded people. There's a lot of people that are paying attention because of all the chaos that's taking place in our world today. And I've had more end-time conversations with people over this last three months than probably my whole life. And so if you're really wanting to read something outside of the book of Revelation or outside of the book of Daniel and some other places, look at Paul's dissertation in chapter 4 and 5 of 1 Thessalonians, and, um, and, and I think it will answer some questions for you. But this is our key scripture. May, the God him, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you or set you apart through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to just let you know that Jesus is coming again. You know what I mean? And this is not bad news. So many people approach, you know, if you don't have a relationship with him or if you're, you know, more interested in serving self and 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 really haven't given God much attention, then that's kind of a fearful time, right? It's like, man, God's coming soon and I'm not ready for him to return. I remember when I was a little kid, um, man, it seemed like hell was preached on all the time. And, um, and now we never preach on hell anymore, like you never hear about hell. But I'm telling you what, Jesus is coming back, and hell is real, and God doesn't want you to go there. And the only way that you don't go there is by having a relationship with him. Amen. It's real simple. It's, it's, it's very clean. But the church in the past has used hell and the wrath of God to strike fear in the hearts of people to get them to move to do something that, that needed to be done. And I'm just saying that that's not right either. But I'm telling you, listen to me. If you don't get anything else out of this, Jesus is coming back. 
And he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for you, his church. And he loves you, and he's looking forward to being reunited with us, as we should also look forward to that as well. And um, so today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the third portion of this. We talked about what's the new thing that God's wanting to do in your spirit, what's the new thing that God's wanting to do in your soul. And today we're going to be talking about what is the new thing that God wants to do in your body. Because once again, his, his, his word says, may your whole body, or I'm sorry, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm just going to also give the disclaimer that I have a very difficult time being the mouthpiece of today's message because I struggle. I struggle physically. I struggle you know, being disciplined in the area of, you know, eating the right things and getting the proper exercise. This has been, if you've known me for a year, you know that this is, this is a, a difficulty of mine. And so I'm just grateful that you don't have to be an expert in an area to be able to speak about the goodness of God. Amen? See, see God's Word is still true and powerful even if even if I'm struggling with certain areas. And I hope that that's good news for you because I do believe that the day is coming that I'm going to be walking in victory in this area of my physical being, eating the proper things, getting the adequate exercise, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before whenever it comes to, you know, how, how big your portions, you know, you should eat, the portion size of what you should eat. Uh, people have said that you need to eat breakfast like a what? Like a king. You need to eat breakfast like a king. You need to eat lunch like a prince. And you need to eat dinner like a pauper. And so breakfast like a king, big breakfast. Anything, you know, all the good stuff. Give me extra meat. Give me, you know, give me those hash browns. Give me, you know, just maybe even a pancake or something. Eat breakfast like a king. Eat lunch like a prince and eat dinner like a pauper, like a poor person. The problem is, is about for me, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, there's a voice that keeps shouting in my ear, long live the king! <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's my biggest downfall. Like, I might do really well all day, all day long, I might be doing really well, but then I get, like, my, I'm an emotional eater. Like, if I've been dealing with a lot of stuff, like, there are comfort foods. They call them comfort foods because they bring comfort to you. And, um, and, so, and so that's my, my big downfall there. But uh, I want you to know this, that any time that we go through change, it can have an effect on these three areas, your spirit, your soul, and your body. And so it's okay. I know I'm in good company. I know that there's probably in the history books, you know, people are going to write about the COVID-10 or the COVID-20, the 20 pounds that you gained over that three months where, you know, where people have been, you know, you know isolated and, and, and are staying at home. And, and so I know that I'm not alone. I know that other people are struggling as well. But can I just tell you this? 
some of the greats in the Bible struggled with issues as well. You know, the Apostle Paul, which wrote probably about two-thirds of the New Testament, come on, he had some, he had some issues that, that he dealt with. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this, and, and Paul, you know, you can't read Paul's writing and, and say, man, I don't know if he loved God. He loved God. And in fact, in Romans chapter 7, he's like, listen, I love the Lord. I absolutely love God. He is my everything. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. So while I still love God, and I know I'm speaking to some people here, come on, while I still love God, I would do anything for God. God has been so good to me. God, if you tell me to go, I'll go. And if you tell me to stay, I'll stay. If you tell me to speak, I'll speak. While I love God, I still have this other struggle inside of me. There's a war going on. I want to please God, but there's also something else that is present. I know you know what I'm talking about. This thing is waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am, Paul says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? So Paul understands. He understands the struggle of, of wanting to be better than you are, but yet still having issues. Come on, I understand. I've got, you know, there are so many areas in my life where I want to be better, where I should be better, but I still have issues. But, but even though Paul understands that, and I understand that, do you know this, that there's somebody even greater that understands it? And his name is Jesus. I fully believe that the only reason why Jesus lived 33 years is because he had to be tempted and tried in every single way known to man. Do you know this? That every single temptation that you've been tempted with, every shortcoming that you've dealt with, he has been tempted with it as well. It's just he didn't sin. He, didn't, he, didn't, he made the right choice where sometimes we make the wrong choice. But do you know how cool that is? to serve a God that understands the, the struggle of, of living in the present day that we live in. I just think that that's incredible. And so I'm going to share with you three words. The first word is addiction. And I know that's not a fun word to, you know, to talk about. We don't like to talk about the, the ugly things, the dark things. In fact, we have conditioned ourselves so much that that um, th there are people in this room right now, and certainly people online, but there's people in this room right now where you're saying, oh, I'm going to check out for just a few moments, maybe get a little bit of shut-eye because I don't deal with addiction. Like, like he's talking about them people that, that have drug problems and alcohol problems, and they're popping pills, and, or they've, you know, they're, they're, they're They've got a pornography issue or a sexual addiction or this or that. And, and come on, I don't have any of those. I don't have any of those things. And so I'm just going to check out for a period of time. But let me give you the definition of the word addiction. It's when you do something that you don't want to do, but yet you, kill, you continue to keep doing it. It's when you do something that you don't want to do, but yet you continue to do it. Come on, do you have anything in your life where you don't want to do it, but you still find yourself doing it anyway? You can't stop. You know it's bad for you. You know it's not conducive to having good relationships. It's not conducive to having a happy life, but you continue to do that thing that is bad for you because you can't stop doing it. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 says this, Therefore do not let sin 
reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, for sin shall not be your master. Come on, some of you during this COVID-19, you've come to a place of realization that you've got a master, like, like and it's not Jesus, like, like you're a slave to something. Let me just ask you a couple of questions just, just to help you through identifying if you're an addict or not. Can you stop doing that thing for a, for a full week? Can you stop? Can you, can you take that thing out of your life? I'm not talking, you know, decrease your participation in it. I'm asking you, can you remove that thing from your life for one full week? And I believe right now the Holy Spirit's identifying things that you, if you were going to be honest, you're like, you know what? I really don't think I could do that. One week's a long time. One hour would be difficult. One week is, 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 see, and if that's the case, then you're an addict. You're addicted to that thing. Come on, does that thing cause you to be more and more isolated? You see, sin will cause one thing. It causes many things, but isolation is one thing that it causes. It drives you away from other people that you should be sharing your life with. It causes isolation. Come on, you know, are you scheduling? You know, have you, have you set up boundaries and parameters so that you can schedule time for yourself to indulge in this certain thing, even though it's not good for you? I'm reminded when I was just a kid, probably about 10 or 11 years old, maybe, maybe a little bit older than that, but I had a friend, and I'm going to be careful with my words, but I had a friend that had, his dad had all kinds of of, of magazines. You see, back in the day, you had, to, you had to find somebody that had magazines to, you know, to look at. You know what I'm saying. So I had this friend that had a dad that had all kinds of, of magazines, and, and it wasn't readily available on your phone like it is here today. And my, dad, my friend's dad and mom would go out of town all the time. And so we would, there was about seven or eight, maybe even ten of us that, that, that we would, oh, oh, your dad's going out of town in two weeks. So we would be scheming, plotting, scheduling for two weeks how we were all going to be able to stay the night at Jimmy Williams' house so that we could sit around and do things that, were, that, that really caused a lot of issues in my life years beyond those years. You know what I'm saying? And so, so, so we create space. We schedule these kinds of things. Come on, are you trying to keep it a secret? What do you have in your life that is a secret? Because you will remain as sick as your secrets. Come on, that's a powerful word right there. You will remain as sick as your secrets. What is it that you don't want anybody or that one person you know, to find out about. See, right now by asking these questions and you being honest and answering these questions, we're identifying these areas that you may have an addiction in. Number two, the second word that I want to talk to you about is the word debauchery. Debauchery is not a word that we hear a lot about in our English language today, but this is what it means, extreme indulgence in sensuality. You see, debauchery doesn't need to be a, it doesn't need to be a bad thing it can just be even too much of a good thing. Like one cookie is not a bad thing, right? Not probably three cookies is not a bad thing. But a whole row or two rows of cookies is a bad thing. 
It was my wife's birthday the other day. And, uh, and somebody brought her a, a, a beautiful cake. I guess there's a, there's a new cake place around here. i got to find out where it's at. Beautiful cake. <laughs> and this cake was amazing. See, me having a slice of cake, that's a good thing. Happy birthday to you and happy birthday to me. You know what I'm saying? We're one. We're going to celebrate. But I had much more than a piece of cake, right? I could have eaten the whole cake. I, I could have just, just kind of camped out, and, and the next morning there would be no cake. And, 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 and so, so that's debauchery. You see, the Bible talks about debauchery. It's when you allow your body to be the shot caller of your life. When your body makes the decisions, I want it, I'm going to do it. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, do not become drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The third word that I want to share with you is, it's two words actually, it's sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality, we know that the New Testament is written in the Greek language. Sexual immorality, there's one word that means sexual immorality in the Greek language, and it's the word pornea. It's the very word that we get the word pornography. You see, sexual immorality comes, the heart of immorality comes through what it is that you look at. You see, if you've got darkness in your heart, you've got sin in your heart, I can promise you this, that most of it came through what you're looking at or how you're looking at something, right? This is the, the, these are the gateways to, to the soul, to the, to the inner part of who it is that you are. Come on, people think that, you know, whenever they deal with a porn addiction, they think, listen, this really isn't such a big deal. There's no harm found in this. You know, it's just me, and I'm sitting in front of a, I'm sitting in front of a screen. Come on, nobody else is at play. Nobody else is, is in danger. Come on, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, doing what it takes to, to feel good for myself. And so we, we, we buy into the lie that this is, that this, there's no danger involved in this, but that's exactly what it is. It's a lie. It's very dangerous. Studies have come out, and there's a thousand studies, but here's a couple of the things that they've come to find out that, that it leads to violence. You, you know, people that have a porn addiction, they'll look at even sexual abuse, and they'll be desensitized to things that are abusive sexually. Is that dangerous? It's very dangerous. Come on, it leads to dysfunctional relationships. It doesn't, even, it doesn't just affect the relationship of your husband or your wife that you're married to, but it affects all relationships. You begin to view people differently. Come on. And it also leads to stronger strongholds. You know, what they have found is, is that, that whatever it is that, that is causing and drawing people in, you know, to give them that gratification for a moment, come on, if they continue to stay just in that lane they'll find out that it's not enough. And, it, and it, you know, it leads to bigger strongholds and you get into, into more dark areas you know, in your mind and darker desires, things you're thinking about now that you never thought that you would, you would think about. And this is the big thing is, is it affects our children. In fact, I believe that the damage that is being caused in our young people, we don't even see the extent of the damage. In fact, it'll probably be another 20, 30 years until we begin to see 
the extent of the damage. Come on, I'm de- I-, I dealt with all the way through into, into my adult life because of looking at still images, because I was introduced to pornography at a young age, 9, 10, 11 years old. I dealt with it way into my adult life, and I'm just saying that things have gotten a lot harder. They've gotten a lot a lot stranger, and I'm just saying that we don't understand. Do you know the average child, the average age of a child being introduced to porn is 11 years old? Now, that's the average. That means that there's some seven-year-olds and some eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds that are being introduced to it as well, and it's not the still images that I was introduced to. It's much more it's much, it's much worse than that. And so this is what I'm saying to you. You need to start having conversations with your kids far before you think you need to start having conversations with your kids. Come on, grandparents like myself in the house, you need to be partnering with your sons and with your daughters and trying to figure out a plan Come on, so that we can be the ones educating our kids is because this, if we leave it up to the schools or we leave it up to somebody else, then this is what I can tell you. I can tell you that somebody's going to give them an education and it's not going to be the education that you want them to get, right? And so we've got to talk about these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15 says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them? That word unite means to fuse together at the deepest level. Should I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in the body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Listen, this is what I love is is that I know this has been real heavy beginning, but I had to lay some groundwork here for you today. Come on, we're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff, but this is what I love is that God not only understands it, but he has the solution. He has the answers to it. Amen. He's got the, he, like, we don't have to be, you know, listen, this is just the day and the time that we live in, and this is just the world, you know, how it's going to be, and we just got to try to kind of fit into the world and conform and, and this and that. No, I'm telling you this, that you can be different because God says you can be different, and he gives you the tools Come on, to live and be a part of the world, but not of the world, right? So three truths out of this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God is in you, whom you have received from God. The Bible says you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So three truths from this. Number one, I want you to write this down. I really want you to write these down. I want you to text them, whatever you got to do. But this is what I want you to do is I want you to write these three truths down and confess them over your life every single morning. You have to. See, listen, you can come in here and get knowledge, but unless you apply the word of God to your life, it's no benefit to you. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the word and doers of the word. So this would be a really great time for you to move and to write some things down or text some things to yourself. I can't push you any further than I'm already pushing you, but if you're still just looking forward and thinking you're going to just remember it, I'm telling you you're not. It's time for the church to be the church and apply the word of God, right? 
So let's, let's participate. I'm giving you something. I've, been a, I've put a lot of things together for your benefit for the day that we live in, and I'm asking you to participate with me. Join in and text yourself or write these things down. Number one is this. My body is where God dwells. You see, we call a place like this the house of the Lord. Man, I can't wait till we go to the house of the Lord. We even call this very room the sanctuary, right? We changed that a few years back, and I'm just sharing with you that there's some reason why we changed it a few years back. The reason why is we changed this to the worship center because this is not the sanctuary, and the truth is, is this building is not the house of the Lord. What the house of the Lord is, it's this building right here. What the sanctuary is, this is where the Lord lives. Come on, it's in you. The Bible says that, that he will never, ever, ever dwell again in, in, in a building that is formed and made by, by the hands of men. He, he'll never do it. So you can call something a temple. You can, you can build something. You can make it extravagant. You can make it beautiful. I think we did a pretty dang good job on this building. I'm very happy with how it came out. It's very, it's nice looking, it's functional, but I'm just telling you this, that this is not the house of the Lord. This is a great place where people of God join together and they worship together. Come on, it's a worship center and God meets with people here, but your body, come on, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the sanctuary. And what blows me away, and things have kind of shifted a little bit, but people will change. You know, we'll say, hey, that guy doesn't have any self-control. But you know what? They come into a church, and automatically they're cussing on the job site, but they won't cuss in this house. And that's a good thing. Praise the Lord, man. If that helps, awesome. You know, they will, they will, they will change their dress. Come on, you know, maybe... I was going to say something. I'm glad I didn't. They'll change their dress when they come into this place, which is great, but they'll dress completely different. Come on out there. And I'm just saying this, that people are mindful of what happens in here, but they will take the, the true, come on, sanctuary of the Holy Spirit, the true house of God, which is this body, they will take into crazy, creepy, dark places and do funky stuff with it. Amen? And I'm just saying this, that you need to know and you need to confess this in the morning that my body is where God dwells. My body is where God dwells. And I'm not saying that there's not cool places in the mountains or even here where you can come and pray, but I'm just saying that this is with the place where, where God dwells. And the best way to take place of your sanctuary is watch what you allow to go in through these two holes in your head, your eyes. You want to change your life? Watch, filter, monitor, manage what it is that comes into your eyes. Matthew 6 and 22 says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, the whole body is good. The whole body is filled with light. But if your eyes are bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. Come on, you manage your eyes. You manage what it is that you're looking and what it is that you're thinking about through looking. And I'm telling you what, you change. You keep your eyes on the Lord, the whole body is filled with light. Romans 8 and 5 says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that are pleasing to the Spirit. 
So what's the application? There has to be an application. There has to be something that you do. You can't just come and receive and sit and say, boy, that was was a really great word today. The application is this, that if you've got something that you've identified as an issue, then you have to do a, a body detox. You know what a good biblical word for a body detox is? Is fast. you got to fast. Come on, I'm asking you to take the next seven days, seven days and get rid of whatever it is. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Like for me, I already told my wife, first service, in front of first service, I said, listen, this week, one week, I'm not talking about changing my life at this, po- at this moment, but this week we're going to eat clean. No sugar, no breads. Do you know, like for you, you might be thinking, boy, that is weak sauce. No sugar, no bread. I live that way. You, you, is that as good as you can get? Like for you, it may be nothing. For me, you don't even understand the pressure and the stress that I've got going on in my life right now just thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? I love sugar and I love breads. I, I, I live for them. I shouldn't. I, it's bad, but I'm telling you, it's a weakness that I have. I do not have good self-control in these areas. But guess what? There's a day that's coming. And I guarantee you, I'm going to walk in victory this week. What do you have to do? Some of you, it's social media. Like, you can't get off of social media for an hour, let alone seven days. And listen, let me be clear. I'm not asking you to, to, to just slow down your use of social media. I'm saying if you're addicted, if that's the thing that you're addicted to, you need to cut it off. Not one time this next week get on it. Well, you just don't even understand. My kids, this is how, pick up your telephone. Figure out a way. Tell somebody. Tell them, listen, this thing's got a little bit of a stronghold in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to remove, you're not going to see me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, uh, what are the others? MySpace. <laughs> for some of you, it's TV. Like, TV's not a bad thing if you watch it for an hour. Some of you, you cannot get off of the television. You're binge-watching 8 to 10 hours a day, not doing anything else. Come on, what else is there? Video. Oh, we don't even want to touch video games. See, that's one thing that honestly... Ask yourself, seriously, those people that play video games, it doesn't, that's not my issue. My issue, I already shared with you my issue. I'm stressed out about it. Can you stop playing video games for one week? Not even turn it on. Take the console, give it to your wife, have her lock it in the garage someplace. Or maybe you do it together. Can you shut it down for a week? Like right now, the anxiety level is going way up. Stress. One week. I can tell you this that if you will do what I'm asking you to do, and I'm not even telling you which one to do, but if you'll do it at the end of this week, you, you might be mad at me right now, but you will thank me at the end of this week because you're going to be better physically, emotionally, and spiritually by removing and saying, listen, I am going to walk in self-control over this thing. I'm not asking you to do it for the rest of your life. I'm just asking you to just check yourself and make sure that you are not being driven by your desires, but you are living in self-control. Come on, you are a person of self-control. Number two is this, my body belongs to God. 
My body belongs to God. You've been bought with a price. Your body is not your own. And so if that's the case, you have to ask permission to God to do certain things. To do things. See, you, we don't even like to talk about this. Does that, who does that sound really weird to right now? Your life is not your own. And so if, you, if you're right now, I'm just checking out. I'm not going to even pay any more attention. That's the craziest thing I heard. i got to ask God to do certain things then that's okay. You can be your own man. You can be your own woman. But all it does is just reveal that you don't belong to Jesus. And that's a serious deal. If, if you're just going to, if you're going to be a Christian, but you're going to be like the, the shot caller of your life, then you're, you're just not a Christian. You might like the idea of being a Christian, but I'm just telling you this, that he purchased your life with his blood, Right? Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this is saying because God has been so good to you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't, don't put your life on the altar and be a living sacrifice so that you can earn God's love and trust and admiration. Listen, he loves you just the way that you are. But outside, out of his mercy, out of how good he's been to you, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, the application to this is worship. Worship is the best way that you can say, God, my life belongs to you. And guess what? We don't get to choose how God likes to be worshipped. He already tells us how he likes to be worshipped. What does he like to do? He likes us to sing. He likes us to use our voices. He likes us to clap our hands. He likes us to dance. If you're not much of a dancer, follow me and just sway. We can just sway and clap our hands and, and get involved and think about the words. You see, if, if we come into the house of the Lord and say, I ain't doing that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not... I'm not going to worship God how he wants to be worshipped. That's not my personality, this and that. Listen, your conservative worship, the only thing that it protects is your ego. Your ego is the only thing that is getting in the way of you being able to worship God like he says, this is how you worship me. You know, for some people, it's like, man, I just can't wait until, they, man, they, they used to do three songs. Now they're doing two songs. Praise the Lord. I wish it would only do a half a song. I just can't wait until they get it. Come on, this is intentional because this is what God wants. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to think upon, upon His goodness. Amen. Number three, and this is the last one. My body was made to honor God. See, the, the secret to a life-giving relationship is not found in what you stop doing. And let me just tell you, this has been the focus of the church for for ever since I've been a part of it when I was younger, it was a matter, oh, you're going to give your heart to Jesus, stop doing this and stop doing that and stop doing this and stop doing that. You see, the secret to a life-giving relationship is not found in what you stop doing, it's found in what you start doing. Come on, he came to give you life and life abundantly. See, see I'm not going to press you to read your Bible. What I should do is approach you and say, listen, we are privileged to be able to read the Bible. I'm not going to press you to pray. I'm going to approach you and say, man, how cool is it that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, gives us an opportunity to have communication and conversation with him. Amen? And so it's not a matter of what we've got to stop doing. See, see, the church has for too long 
it's been known for what it's against. How about we shift that and we start talking about what the church is for. The church is for life. It's, worth, it's for family. It's for unity. It's for hope and joy and peace and all of the things. You see, we wouldn't have the issues that we have in the world today, honestly, if the church would be the church, number one, and then if the church would, would, would activate themselves and, and share the gospel, the good news, with even more and more people, we wouldn't have the issues of division because God unifies. It doesn't matter if you're red, brown, black, white, yellow, green. It doesn't matter because we're all the same. Come on, that shows God's creative uh, uh, ability, God, his, 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 his creative nature whenever he creates us differently. Come on, how crazy is it that we're still having the race, the race conversation? And I believe that the church is growing faster in and through social media. You know what this, this what all this does for me? It really saddens my heart because it, it shows me that the church is not being the church. We're not doing what the church was called to do. We're silent when we should be speaking. Or we're not, we're not participating, not in the activities that are going on, but participating in just working at coming together here so that we can, so that we can move out from here and, and we can be an example. Praise the Lord, this is a diverse church. I've always thought it was the craziest thing for there to be black churches and white churches and Hispanic churches. Like the only thing that makes sense to me is if there's a language barrier. But I'm, I'm grateful that, that what we have in our community here is represented in our seats this morning. But we got to do a better job. That was all new. So the application is purpose. The application is purpose. God gives you a purpose. King David. I'm ending with this story. King David, he, uh, we all know about him. He's the writer of the majority of the Psalms. Okay, He loved God, and God loved David. He loved him. They had a great relationship. In fact, after King David, this was what was said of him. He had a, he had a heart after God's heart. But, but David also had some sinful nature that, he, that he, he fell to multiple times. You so why he loved God, he still had the same thing that Paul was talking about, the struggle on the inside. One day he went out to the, the, uh, the edge of his balcony, his terrace, and he looked over and he saw a beautiful girl. Her name was Bathsheba. She was taking a bath. And he called for his men to go down and to, and to retrieve her and bring her up to him. And the men were probably like, you know what, she's married. In fact, her husband is fighting you know, a war for you right now. Bring her up anyway. And he, he was with her. They were together. And she became pregnant. And, um, and, and, and to cover up his, his sin, his mistakes, he sent her husband to the front lines so that he would be killed. That's exactly what was happening. So he's a liar, cheater, murderer. I mean, this guy, but he loved the Lord. How crazy is that? He loved God, had a great relation, and he repented of all of those things. But I want to just hit on one thing here. That, that many people miss. They just kind of overlook. This is a verse that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David remained in Jerusalem. 
So listen, here is a time when David should have been out fighting the battles with his men. But he found himself at home. And for some people, like, like your purpose is wrapped up in what you do. It's, 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 it's wrapped up in networking and doing business and, 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 and staying busy and staying active. And then all of a sudden, coronavirus hits and, and now you're mandated. Uh, you know, there's a stay-at-home order and there's a, there's a social distancing you know, order and all of these orders are, are coming out and you're finding yourself at home with your kids. Kids can't go to school. You know, you've never spent this much time with your, with your spouse and now you're at home and, and, and you're saying things to your children that you never thought that you would say and, you're, and your, your temper is like this, it's, it's this quick. You know, you can go from zero to 60 in a moment because you're frustrated, you're so angry that you can't do the things that you've always done and you're, you're, you're mandated to stay at home and you're forced to be around your family and things are, are wildly different. And, and at a time whenever the king should be at war, he found himself at home without a purpose. And I'm just saying this, that now is the time to repent. If any of that has affected you or touched you, if you've been hard on your kids, hard on your wife, hard on your husband, short-tempered, just angry at the world, you know, all you're doing is feeding your mind with the news that's just coming at you 24 hours a day, and you 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 got a poor outlook on life. I'm telling you what, that Jesus is still in control, and He's still on the throne. And if you found yourself in a dark, depressed state, there's two things that you need to do. You need to repent. You need to come to Him. Joshua 1 night, come to the Lord. Confess to Him. And then also find a friend to confess to because there's healing when we share our shortcomings, not with everybody, but with at least one. We're vulnerable enough to share it with at least one. I just want you to know that the Lord loves you this morning. He absolutely loves you and He is in control, right? He is still the King of kings. Nothing has caught Him off guard. He understands you. Listen to me. He understands the struggles you're going through. But not only does He just understand it, He gives us the solution. And the solution is found in a relationship with Jesus. Come on, you can leave this place different than what you came in. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I'm just going to have you don't leave this place, this building, until you clean your sanctuary. You clean the house of the Lord. You repent. Say, God, forgive me. Man, I've been short. I've been messed up. I've been doing things that I shouldn't be doing. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. And guess what? He is just and faithful to do so. And you'll walk out of here, come on, with some renewed hope, with some renewed vision, and with the joy of the Lord. Come on, ready to be light and salt in the earth. Praise the Lord. Amen. You guys received the word of the Lord today. Amen. God bless you. I love you so much. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.